Welcome in everybody to the Chain Clingers Disc Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Ferris. Today, we are talking about is it sustainable to be on the Disc Golf Pro Tour anymore? Is the money drying up in disc golf? And is the sport headed for a little bit of regression from its post-COVID highs? We're going to get into all that and more right after the intro. All right, everyone, like you heard at the top of the episode, we are talking financials of disc golf today, and this is a little fun for me. I work in the finance industry when I'm not doing this, and... So it's interesting to take a look at the numbers behind disc golf a little bit more and try to understand where the sport is going. Prior to 2020, there were significantly less disc golfers in the sport, myself included. I hardly played, and then, of course, COVID allowed myself and a lot of other disc golfers to really get involved in the sport, and you saw a lot of disc golfers just buying tons and tons of products and consuming a lot of content in different media outlets. I think a good example is all those new disc golfers were buying a lot of plastic, myself included. I look over at just the plastic I have in my basement here, not the stuff in my garage, and I can see at least 40 discs probably a little bit more. I've got two right in front of me that are pretty old in my bag. For example, I'll actually hold up this this Pro Wraith I have. This is one of the discs that I've actually had the longest. I need to put it back in my bag. I haven't had it in my bag for a while. I need to put it back in my bag. It was always pretty good. It's a little bit lighter and that Pro Plastic's going to be good in the winter for sure. Um, but I mean, that's like three years old. I mean, look around your disc golf disc collection. How many of your discs are three years old? Not a whole lot, probably. Um, I know I don't have a whole lot that are three years old. And so a lot of new disc golfers came into the sport and they bought a lot of plastic. And if you're one of those disc golfers, uh, let let me know over on Instagram at Chain Clinkers Disc Golf. And, and I, I certainly know I was. And so you saw a lot of disc golfers spending a lot of money and then... As time has gone on, I think more and more have started to cool off on spending that same money. You know, you can think about a disc golf bag and you buy one, two, three hundred dollar disc golf bag. You're probably not buying another disc golf bag for a couple of years. And, you know, maybe you upgrade from no bag to a little sling bag to then a like a a shift bag and then you get a rebel or something like that. But then like once you get up there again, you're not really looking to get different bags and, and different equipment. And so it's not like you have to replace your range finder every year or now maybe your disc golf quick stick. You have to replace a little bit. I know the one I had went bad pretty quick. Um, so, you know, really discs are the only thing that you're having to replace a whole lot. And so I just wonder what the future of disc golf is going to be. And I think, We said this on the podcast years ago when a lot of players signed those million-dollar deals and big deals. And and I'll say it here, for example, Kona, when she signed her deal that was the equivalent of what Kristen got, we said, is this deal going to be what ruins future deals for disc golfers? And I think it is starting to hurt DD a little bit. Um, Dynamic Discs and other companies are finding that they might have overpaid for disc golfers that are not worth that talent anymore. And then you've got the likes of Kristen, who's probably underpaid 
for what she's producing. I mean, if you're going to pay someone $500,000 over multiple years, then you would expect performance like Christian has given. I mean, her worst finish in the last two years has been sixth place. That might be Kona's best finish. For example, I'm only using those two disc golfers because I'm being brutally honest, and they signed the exact same deal pretty much. Now, you know, that does come with a little bit of a caveat that Kona is definitely going through a lot more medical stuff, and I'm not trying to use that and pin that against her. We're talking about when she was actually playing disc golf. Uh, we can even scratch this year off. Look at the year prior. Kristen's worst finish was third. I, I don't even think Kona got a podium. So that's just an example. And so when we look at the disc golf offseason, you know, Gannon Burr is the big fish in the in the pond this year. So Gannon's probably going to sign a million-dollar deal this offseason or somewhat close to that. But is that financially smart for these companies to continue to be shelling out that kind of money for these players? I don't necessarily know if it is. Um, you know, I, I think it's a very tough situation where there's not a whole lot of external cash coming in to kind of prop up these players into the status that would be sustainable for a lot of them to be on tour, which I think is the hard part because you've got a lot of guys and gals out there who are grinding on that absolute tour grind, and it might be hard to even break even after a season. We'll get into some numbers here in just a quick second, but I think disc golf's at a point where it needs to have some external money coming in. Uh, you got to be able to make more money at tournaments. Players need to ha have a higher base salary, and I think that's got to come from outside factors that n are not just the manufacturer. The manufacturers sell $20 discs. you got to sell a lot of plastic in order to cover $100,000 a year for one player. I mean, l let's think of how high the payroll is at Discraft, for example. You've got Paul McBeth making a million every single year that they have to pay that man plus royalties on all of his discs, okay? And then you've also got Paige Pierce, you've got Missy Gannon, you've got Aaron Gossage, Chris Dickerson, Ezra Aderhold. The list goes on and on and on. Anthony Barella is another one that comes to mind. Like, they have such a stacked team, and we always talk about, oh, the Discraft team is stacked. They've got the best team out there. Yeah, but they've also got to pay those people. So now they're either paying them all, you know, 75k a year which is nice i mean if you're getting paid 75k a year to play disc golf yeah you'd absolutely do that but they're probably not getting paid 75k a year the big fish like i mentioned maybe are getting 75k plus i imagine chris dickerson's getting 100k plus if i had to guess same thing with page but let's look at some like ezra aderhold is he getting over 50k a year? I don't know, and that might not be enough to be sustainable to be on tour forever. So then you have to have outside sponsors coming in. For example, like a OTB Discs or a bag manufacturer, Bushnell or something like that, right? You have to then have those companies come in and help support these players, and I think if we got to a point where, you know, a Nike came in or Adidas or or you know, uh, uh companies with some cash to throw around I think would actually help these players a lot. And so let's kind of read this post. And this comes from uh, Brady Brody Smith's um, podcast, Tour Life. So on a recent Tour Life episode, Brody gives actual numbers on what he paid to the Pro Tour from Las Vegas Challenge to Jonesboro, 
looking at his PDGA page, there was eight events. So we're not going to itemize every single thing on there. But he does mention there's a $7,000 tour card. I did not know about that. You mean there's you got to pay seven grand just to play on the tour? Not event registration, just to have a tour card? Oh my goodness, that's a lot of money. So then there's an additional seventy three fifty five in expenses. So mostly flights, Airbnbs, hotels, registration fees, and gas. Putting aside the tour card for right now, he average his average expenses were nine hundred nineteen dollars per event. He played 23 events on tour times 919 is just over $21,000. And let's assume, you know, probably needs to be a little bit higher than that because he did go to Europe. So uh, we'll we'll stick at 21 just to make things a little bit easier. Um, but, I mean, you add the tour card in there. He's now at 28000 and that's not including Europe. So let's just say 2000 for Europe. Round that up to a nice even thirty thousand just to play this year. Thirty thousand dollars just to play. The uh, that averages out to uh, one thousand two hundred seventeen per event. If you do the twenty eight k, if you uh, his winnings by the way were ten thousand six hundred thirty seven. So we're not factoring in sponsorship, disc sales, YouTube, any of that. He lost. $20,000. Guys, Brody Smith lost $20,000 because it cost $30,000 just to play disc golf on the pro tour level and he made 10.6. He lost $20,000 playing disc golf. So if his if his sponsor is paying him 50k a year, he made 30k this year. Like that is not a lot of money. Um and I'm not saying all these disc golfers need to be rich or anything, but like, when's the last time you, or maybe you are right now, are living off thirty thousand dollars? Like that is not a lot, um, and and that's lucky if you're getting fifty thousand. There's a lot of disc golfers out there who get zero guaranteed money. So moving on, um, they also mentioned if you do van life, you can certainly get the number down. So if we just guess on that, the lower end could maybe be ten to fifteen k in a van. Um, primary expenses being that van payment, uh, depreciation, maintenance, insurance, gas, and entry fees. Um, but as we all know, van life is tough. I mean, it is. You got to be a special individual to want to get and live in a van for uh, that amount of time. And kudos to the folk who can do it. I certainly cannot do it. So uh, good shout on those who can. Also, we're going to guess that on the higher end, uh, and Brody probably doesn't fit into this, but some guys probably are spending 35k plus touring, flying in and out, staying at nice Airbnbs, hotels. Uh, maybe that could be Paul, Chris Dickerson, Simon, Ricky. Those are probably your big boys, right? So, um, so now we can guess that the range of what it costs to be on tour is roughly 10 to 35 thousand dollars. Bradley Williams also mentioned once that he needs a place he needs to place about 15th in order to break even each week, which usually pays around a thousand to 1500, and he's including sponsor bonuses in his number. So just goes to show you how hard it is to scrape by on tour. If you are not consistently placing in the top 10 or 15, and these guys who average 50th place are on tour are missing cash most weeks, it's got to be an absolute grind. It's got to be very, very difficult. And 
that just kind of shows you if you're not in the top 15, you're losing money at each event. That's crazy. There's like 100 people who play in each event. So you're telling me the top 15% are able to break even and then the rest of the 85% are losing money and then there's guys who literally don't make any money at all. That is absolutely insane to me. And it just kind of brings up the question of is disc golf sustainable for the long term? Um I think that they could redo how they pay out a little bit. Less players get paid out and those who cash get paid more. Um, I'm not exactly sure the number, but maybe let's whatever they're cashing now, change that to around 35% of players get cashed out. You take off the bottom and you pay the top a little bit more. But also it requires more money from sponsors going into the event, which then requires disc golfers to buy more product. And so, you know, let's say Barbasol or guaranteed rate or someone like that is, or Johnsonville is sponsoring an event. Well, they're not going to continue to sponsor event if they don't get a return on investment, right? If they're not seeing money coming back from their ads and, and the event, well, they're not going to continue promote and and want to be a part of disc golf and so then also the manufacturers got to continuously pump plastic how many discs are new to the market this year versus how many discs are the exact same thing just in a different plastic or a different stamp like all the tour series discs the zone is the zone is the zone they just put a different stamp on it right same thing with a with a wraith a wraith is a wraith is a wraith. They just put a different stamp on it, or they came out with a different plastic. The different plastic is kind of cool for sure, but like the halo plastic for Innova, I'm pretty sure makes a disc more stable. But the halo-ish plastic for Trilogy, I don't think it has any effect on the flight. I think it's just as um, just a normal disc, just it looks a little bit different, um, and and so it's just like. Ah, Where's innovation? Where's it come from? How does disc golf continue to survive on the funds that it has? And I think the disc golf pro tour is also hurting for funds a little bit because of all the lawsuits that they had to face with the whole Natalie Ryan situation. And so now the disc golf pro tour might be running out of money a little bit. I just think overall is disc golf running out of money. I think sponsors are starting to dry up a little bit because they're not getting the same amount of buying that they were two years ago. I think manufacturers are going to be seeing that as well. And I think there's going to be less people on tour. Inevitably, the tour is only going to get better and better when it comes from a competition level. Um, those who are able to compete and win are going to have success. And I think we're going to have more parity than ever last year proves but I think we're going to start seeing less players, if that makes sense. Like, the field's always going to be full, but maybe the guys aren't on every single event because they can't continue to make that money. I think a good example here, when we interviewed Jared Christ a couple months ago, when he went on his tour, I mean, he kind of gave us a little bit of insight where he said, if you miss a couple caches in a row, you are hurting for money. And so you're spending 1500 bucks every single event on the pro tour and you're not cashing, you're not getting 15th or better. 
you're not even breaking even, right? Um, so you got to be top 20. If you're outside the top 20 for two, three weeks in a row, okay, you're still making some money. You're still losing, but you know that that's okay. I mean, you miss cash for a month straight. It could be tough. You might not be able to get to your next event. Um, so those are all just kind of things that I think about. And I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. What, what direction do you think disc golf is going in? Do you think it's still on an upward trajectory? Do you think it's kind of plateauing? Do you think it's starting to go down? If I had to guess, I think it's kind of flatlining a little bit and taking a little bit of a step back. I think this year we saw less players uh, creating PDGA numbers and playing disc golf and recording rounds i think all of that took a little bit of a step back i'd have to reanalyze those numbers to make sure but i'm pretty sure those things took a little bit of a step back and i'll be i'm one of them i did not renew my pdga membership and i will not be renewing my pdga membership i've been pretty vocal about that on this podcast i don't see the value in having a pdga membership it's 300 dollars minimum it's not just 50 bucks it's 300 dollars in order to somewhat break even because it's $50 for the membership, but then you got to play in five to six events just to have made that extra amount of not having to pay a $10 fee worth it. So like now you're in a situation where you're spending $300. I don't personally have $300 to be playing in tournaments every year. And I probably want to play in more than five. If I'm going to get the membership, I probably want to play in like 10. So now I'm spending $600 a year-ish just to play in tournaments where I'm not playing for cash, so I'm playing for discs, but I don't necessarily need the discs. And so you can look at it as like, oh, okay, well, if I would have spent that money on discs, then like is what it is. But were you going to buy those discs in the first place? I just think, I think, the, uh, I think the PGGA really needs to kind of work on some things. I think they need to be more transparent with how the money is spent and what they're actually doing with the money um, and how they're bettering the game of disc golf. I think those things are pretty important if they want to continue to get members. And And how do we market ourselves to new players? How do does disc golf market itself to new players and get these new players to then get a PDGA membership? Some people that I'm coaching right now They've been playing disc golf for about nine months, but they have absolutely zero intention of getting a PDGA number because they don't want to play in tournaments. They want to go play disc golf and have fun. They'll record their rounds on Udisc, but why go pay $50 to play two rounds in the same day where you're going to be pissed off the whole time? That is a tough question that a lot of people have to overcome. And how do you make it fun for new players, especially when new players play in the recreational division, the rec division folks you're not supposed to be the best disc golfer in the world if you're playing in the rec division and i think this is why we need to update our, our ratings and what division you'd be playing in the rec division winner should not be beating advanced and i see that on the weekly all right whoever wins in rec probably would get top five in advance every single tournament that i that i'm personally looking at it feels like so if i'm a newer disc golfer i'm around 800 why would i throw 50 dollars away to go play in a tournament to get one disc as the player pack that i'm never gonna use and then just get curb stomped by this guy who shouldn't be playing in this division that's my thought on it and i think that's why something to kind of fix that is you change how the division ratings work if you are less than 800, that is the recreational division. And I know it's called like MA3 now or whatever, whatever. MA2, intermediate, 
that is eight to nine fifteen. We'll call it maybe nine, eight to nine ish. Okay, and then advance is either nine sixteen or nine oh one to you know whatever a thousand or or, or nine seventy five something like that. Nine seventy five sounds pretty good. And once you're out of nine, once you're past nine seventy five, you got to be playing in the pro division. I think that would create a little bit of ease and would create a more inclusive environment for those newer disc golfers. We as a sport, yes, should continue to think about the better and longer term players, but how do you keep the sport alive? How do you keep people buying plastic? How do you keep people uh, uh, propping up the sport and getting hooked and watching YouTube over and over again? You got to get the newer players to play. You got to get the newer players to get a PDGA membership. You got to get the newer players to want to play in tournaments and feel like they have a chance. That is how you get the sport to continue to grow. And I think we're moving away from that. I mean, look at look at Joe Mez's views on, on their videos. I mean, they were getting hundreds of thousands of views, and now they're not getting that on their videos. We can clearly see disc golf is taking a step back. So we have to start doing some things to uh, get new players and foster development of these players. And if you are a newer player and you want to foster your own development and you want to get better at disc golf so you can compete in those tournaments or compete with your friends, follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Clankers Disc Golf. We're putting out videos over there to help you become a better disc golfer and we know we can help your game elevate to the next level. That is going to wrap it up for today's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. If you did, let me know uh, over Instagram, TikTok. Let me know what your thoughts are. Am I just spewing craziness or do you actually kind of agree with what I'm saying? I'd love to hear your thoughts. And with that, we'll wrap up today's episode and we will see you guys next week.